This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you know you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, unlike the Owls, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So there's only one thing left to say. What's everybody having? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means you'll get some tasty rewards later on. And between you and me, if you order just before kickoff, you can get it just in time for half time. But I've not told you that. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery free and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. See you later. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome to episode number two of Owls About Stats, looking at Sheffield Wednesday by numbers. I'm James Marriott from the Wednesday Week. Uh, James Allen is from the Owls Americast, uh, usually residing in New York, but back in in Blighty for Christmas. So James, are you referring to the big man as Santa Claus or Father Christmas? Uh, is Santa Christmas an acceptable uh, con- kind of compromise <laughs> on that one, James? <laughs> uh, St. Nicholas, um, all, all of the above. Fair enough. Uh, Peter Lohman is in Denmark. Peter, are you all set for the arrival of uh, Yulmanden? Is that right? Uh, quite close. Yulmanden. Uh, but yeah, uh, my son's quite excited. So yeah, he's looking forward to Yulmanden uh, coming. It's, it's basically it's the the word is Christmas man. We we we're quite simple peasant country oh, over here. So. Right, okay. Oh, that's good. Because my notes, my notes are that it's it's Yulemanden, and that uh, translates as the Yule man. So uh, clearly, my research went really well there. That's a good start. <laughs> hey ho. Which Wikipedia um, page did you find, James? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to blame Google Translate, um, and uh, let's just move on. We should point out at this point, um, Peter, you quite literally have pneumonia right now. You're not, you're not very yeah. well. That's the second time this year as well. So yeah, I do. Been ill for about ten days now. First the flu, and uh, it's translated into uh, a nice pneumonia. So happy Christmas, I guess. <laughs> All right, we'll be very gentle on you through uh, through the course of this uh, this podcast. Uh, okay, so this is episode number two. Um, thank you to everyone for the, the really really good feedback from the first episode, which for us was kind of just sort of dipping the toe in the water a little bit as to uh, as to what Owls about stat is going to be. Uh, so it was really great to get so much really positive feedback. From um, from you, so thank you very much for for that. Um, now, I say this is episode number two. It's kind of actually kind of 
episode number like number five of our FFP specials because we're actually going to do two episodes over the holidays. So in the next week or so, we're going to be looking at the on the pitch stats, just like we did in episode one. But we also wanted to cover the numbers and the stuff that was said at the fans forum. And there's no way it was going to fit into one podcast. So, um, so this episode, episode two, is all about the money. Now, um, first up, anyone that's listened to this week's episode of the Wednesday week will know that I well and truly lost my shit when um, talking about the forum and particularly our financial situation. So look, I've already had my say on this, but James, obviously with time differences and whatnot, um, you weren't on the AmeriCast this week. So it kind of seems fair to kind of give your chance just to give us your kind of general reaction and feeling to the fans forum. Wow. Um, I think we said in the, in the setup for this, James, that we were going to try and keep this to, a, you know, to around 40, 45 minutes. So, uh, so thank you for seeding the entire podcast to me for a rant. Um, yeah, I guess the benefit of, of 72 hours, um, a managerial change and, uh, an unlikely, uninspiring and, and unlikely victory at Hillsborough, but the return of a couple of players maybe changes your mood a little bit. But, um, I, I'm, I'm incredibly pessimistic, uh, about what I heard. Um, Secondhand, in in fairness, uh, from the event on Wednesday evening. I mean, I, I wasn't there in person. I was traveling um, back into the UK from the US. So, like a lot of people, I was following along in terms of the um, the output that was being shared by Dom Housen and by the club. You know, frankly, um, you know, a lot of the verbatims were being put out by the the official Twitter feed. And I think, given the expectations that had been set for fans in terms of um, you know the the answers to questions that were going to be revealed. You could give a low mark on on the lack of clarity that emerged there, but but the reason I'm I'm incredibly pessimistic and and trying to keep my counsel for a second here in terms of not ranting is I, I simply find it inexcusable um, that the hierarchy of the club is making declarations uh, to the order of um, the extent that it has in terms of the ambiguity around the ownership situation and particularly clarifying the, the situation around financial fair play or profit and sustainability, which will be the subject of this discussion. Um, you know, in my, in my day job, um, I, I work in a, a large listed company, um, which has its, a responsibility to its shareholders. Um, if our management made statements in public to the effect of which our man- the management of Sheffield Wednesday made this week, they would be similarly dismissed. Um, there would be a shareholder revolt, um, and those individuals would be held under uh, fiduciary responsibility, uh, culpable of, of making erroneous statements to to the shareholder base. Now, Sheffield Wednesday is not a shareholder structure. We have one owner, and the fans are participants in that process by invitation, and I accept that difference. But I don't accept the lack of leadership. I don't accept the lack of um, discipline and the lack of clarity in terms of what the forward plans for this football club are, because there's far too much at stake to make the ambiguous and frankly contradictory statements that were made on Wednesday night. Okay. um, Peter, are you going to put a more positive um, uh, spin on uh, proceedings of this week? Uh, Not really. I think James uh, summed it up really well. Um, And with his uh, corporate experience, it's, it uh, lends a lot of gravitas to what he's, he's been saying. Um, it was just, it, yeah, I was against the idea of having uh, a fans forum, um, on the, on the premise that, uh, the, the previous ones we've had, Chanziri has not really been forthcoming with, uh, 
with the truth or any details. Um, and I mean, this time the the the, the extent of the frustrations around uh, the club and, and and the fans was so high. So, I mean, his his demeanor was only going to antagonize people, and and that's exactly what happened. And and uh, it was just it's it was a car crash from from the beginning to the end, and and uh, it was. I mean, you could you could see from on, on Twitter as well people commenting that uh, Katrin Mier was uh, was face palming uh, next to to Chan Siri when he was saying certain things, and it's just. I mean, this is this is why absolute rule and um, and 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 dictatorships don't work because they rely on on the person uh, heading um, the government, or in this case, the football club, uh, being capable of doing uh, doing it to. Uh, to, to a certain quality, and and I, I really get the impression that that Chancery's, um business sense is not what he uses when he runs Chef Wednesday. It's it's a very volatile, emotional um, way of of, of managing uh, um, our club, and the that's the last thing we need at the moment. We need, I mean, the, the structure we we fail to see on the pitch. The the lack of organisation is is. I mean, it's it's a mirror image of, uh, of of how the club is off the pitch. Um, there seems to be no uh, no plan. There seems to be no uh, no idea about what we're going to do in um, just a few months. Um, and there seems to be no idea what we're going to do about the big issues of, of of getting this club back on an even keel uh, financially, uh, with regards to the uh, to the profitability and sustainability rules. Um, so it's, it, in that case, it, it would be better to just put out a statement on the website um, with some facts that Chancery wanted to, to reveal, reveal to us. And um, the, but the dialogue format only works if you're going to give something to uh, to the other party. Uh, and and Chancery was was giving politi- politicians answers all night, and people were getting infuriated about it. Um, and I mean, it's best exemplified by by his decision to to back Yuslukai for four hours all night, say he's going to sell the club, and then two days later sack the manager. That doesn't make. I mean, this it's just uh, I'm really disheartened by the whole thing. Uh, between the three of us, I mean, obviously, I you know, my my feelings about it have been pretty clear, and I've I've I had to give myself a bit of a talking to. Um, Earlier on today, because I realised that on Twitter I've I've just been kind of whinging and whinging and whinging, and I can't really help it because it's you know it's it's how I feel, and it's it's like watching a car crash in slow motion happening in front of you, and you're kind of powerless to do anything and and to stop it really. But um, between the three of us, is 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 there anything positive that we heard from Wednesday night? I know you know a lot of fans talked about how well. Catherine Mier kind of came across and spoke, which I think is something that we've we've heard before at, at, at other kind of forums and meetings and things like that. But you get the impression that she's not all that involved in the day to day running, certainly of the financial side of things. I mean, James, obviously, you touched on kind of there and you know your 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 job and what and what you do. Um, the CEO of a company not really being involved in the day to day running of things financially. Is there ever a scenario where that actually works? I, I suppose if I try and you know uh, use a bit of gallows humour, I mean, if there was a positive from uh, from Wednesday night, it was that at least we actually understood now what the hierarchy of the club actually looks like. Um, you know, because it's there in stated intent in terms of who does what. Um, 
Yeah, I have to actually give credit to Victoria on the uh, the Wednesday week last week in terms of the way in which she clarified the the role that that Ketrian has. You know, she is a commercial director; she's not a CEO. Um, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I'm I'm quite certain of her capabilities to be a CEO. But you don't make fundamental decisions about the forward financial planning of an organisation. You you certainly don't make forward strategic decisions about the uh, the way in which an organisation is positioning itself within its core products, market services, etc. Without the direct ownership and you know the holding of the decision right around those those questions of the CEO. Um, and sure, there'll be an ownership structure. There might be an overseeing board who ultimately have to. Uh, the CEO has to take that those recommendations too, and that we'll we'll have a, a further level of oversight. But you don't leave them out of the process entirely. Um, and so the fact that by you know her verbiage, um, she is not involved in the football side. She is not involved in the FFP deliberations now, and is focusing focusing primarily on activities as relates to the commercial organisation. You know, particularly retail and uh, and obviously the new story Meadow Hall, the uh, the fan park, etc. You know. She, she's laying bare there that, that her, her role and remit extends no further than a, a, maybe a chief operating officer role. So in other words, she is essentially doing the job that Joe Palmer was doing 12 months ago. Um, and the, the chairman, Mr. Chansiri, is acting as both chairman and CEO. Um, and that clarification is to some extent welcome because it, it takes away the pretense that we have a, a you know, a, a, a more healthy operating structure going on, um, at management level inside the club. So, you know, I do give her credit for the advances that she's made there. Um, and I get the impression that also the work that she's been doing with the young academy players, getting players onto, to contracts, you know, clearly will stand the club in good stead in the future. But you cannot, in my opinion, have a situation where the CEO is excluded from the fundamental uh, financial decision making, planning, and strategic planning of an organisation that just makes no sense. Okay, um, so the kind of the the heading that I've got written down for for us to talk about now, um, with reference to the to the fans forum, is FFP. What did we learn? Um, as ever with with these kind of meetings, the forum was a bit void um, in the way of specifics. It was kind of void in the way of things that were really vague, to be honest. It was it was kind of a whole new level of of unspecifics. Um, but you know, Peter, obviously, I know you were following things quite closely on um, on on Wednesday evening. What what do you kind of think that that, that we learned from from things? There was this kind of um, this this thing knocking around about an eight um, eight figure million pound loss. Um, what's what 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 are you kind of taking from what was talked about on Wednesday? Um, to be to be totally honest, I actually think what we could glean from from the comments made uh, sort of confirmed what uh, the three of us have discussed on uh, on the podcast before. Um, because uh, the club uh, said this in the previous fans form as well, which was also reported on on Twitter that um, for us to comply with their profitability and sustainability um, for for the, for for the end of the season, for the three seasons uh, leading up to that, we'd have to break even this season, which is um, <clears throat> which means we have to get to to um, to about fifty million pounds that we need to raise in transfer funds or so, or saved wages before the end of this season. Um, and that's still the figure that that I'm I'm going with from the from the calculations that I've done, uh, and that's that's uh, that's certainly uh, uh, the same as as, a, as an eight figure sum. Um, so so I think in many ways it's just confirmed for me that that we have a lot of work to do. Uh, but some of the 
things that Chen Siri said on the subject was um, worrying in the regard that he claimed to, uh, I think there was actually a, 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 a direct quote where he said, talked something about so-called experts and and uh, there have been a few who've, who've uh, mentioned he might have been referring to the three of us. I've no idea whether that's true or not. But he also um, he also said categorically that he, he knows more about FFP than anyone else. Um, but for him to then claim that uh, there's nothing to worry about and then that he's uh, thinking about how to fix the situation uh, tells me that he's, his confidence in his own ability is probably a bit misplaced uh, at this point because... What needs to happen is uh, a, a player sales of a high magnitude, and he's not really sounding like he's wanting to do that, um, or that he realised that he has to sell players because he's, he said said at some point, and this might well have been lost in translation. He said at some point that um, that, that player sales won't help the, the FFP situation, which is categorically not true. Um, I, I think he was just uh, lost in translation, and he was trying to say that that he couldn't sell players enough players or for enough money to to solve the problem. That might have been his point, but the way I see it, fifty million pounds is is uh, something we would be capable of raising uh, with the sale of, of of some of our, our best players, um, and it would wipe the wipe the slate clean for for next season, and it would allow us to to invest money in the in the playing squad again this summer. Um, so, so I mean, it was it was more smoke and and more fog um, than it was clarity, but it confirms that this inaction over this problem. Because I mean, we foresaw foresaw this problem uh, around a year ago, didn't we? And and I mean, it's it's been coming, and it's it's been quite easy from just from public figures to 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 put this together for 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 three of us uh, in our spare time. So I mean, the, the club must be, must know this, but. They've not acted, and and I think the way Chancery just uh, waved off uh, concerns and said, "Oh, don't worry, trust me," and all that, told, tells me that he's not about to, uh, to to do any decisive action on 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 the issue. And that is a really big worry for me. Peter, if you don't mind, I'm just going to pick up on a couple of the points you made there because you know I I think it's really enlightening just the, the context in which you take a few of those comments. And and by the way. You know, your, your earlier statement in terms of the fact that, you know, perhaps this podcast or at least other podcasts or other statements around this issue were cited as, as not having all the information. Well, no, we don't. You know, we're, we're fans trying to piece together what we can find from public. So of course the club has the right and proper information. And, and, and I'm sure that some of our assertions, some of our numbers, you know, perhaps require some rounding or some adjustment. We're, you know, we're very, very aware of that. But. I think we've correctly asserted the position that we've been in. At times, it's been worse. We didn't pr- frankly think that we would be in an embargo earlier this year. So, um, you know, he, he, his point is understood. But, but what, what I would say is this, given that apparently, you know, we are listened to, and, and I think the gloves are off in some respects in, in what we're saying directly to the chairman in that context. For an issue of this magnitude, of this severity in terms of how it affects Wednesday's ability to compete in the championship, the ability of this club to operate at the level that we all aspire for it to and to, to reach the Premier League, which is what ultimately we're all trying to pull together toward. To suggest that only one person who spends half his time outside the country and working on other businesses can find the answers to this in, in, you know, incalculably complex problem is, is absurd. 
you know, any other organisation, any other football club, and I'm certainly sure this applies for Birmingham or, or QPR in the past or others who've, who've inferred this, they have a team working on it. They have lawyers, they have accountants, they have managerial uh, teams, they have strategists that, you know, they're all working together to try and solve this problem. And they're accepting of the reality, which is that this is not about your ability to spend. It's about how much you are allowed to spend by the league. And it seems to me that Mr. Chancery's responses all come back to the same point, which is ultimately a protest about the fact that he is not allowed to spend his money on this club. And I understand the emotional challenge that that presents. And I'm grateful for the fact that he wants to continue investing his money in the club, at least until he's prepared to sell it. Um, but it, it just simply isn't reality. The reality is we have to operate within the means that we're allowed by the championship. And to try and get around that through the whims of one man, as opposed to uh, inviting the best brains that the club has to offer and potentially more broadly the club can access, is irresponsible in my mind. The the thing that really annoyed me, and as I pointed out earlier, you know, I've, I've kind of already had my rant about this and I don't, I don't really want to kind of go over old ground, but I, I, it's just how do we not see this coming? You know, we we obviously recorded a podcast after the last kind of fans forum of of, of this sort, um, and you know, it seemed at that one that the strategy, Sheffield Wednesday strategy, seemed to be, well, we'll just have to get promoted because if we don't, then we're going to have a problem, and it was pretty obvious to. Uh, the majority of fans that promotion this season probably wasn't a realistic aim. Um, and you know, you kind of sit there thinking, well, you know, they're going to be, they've got to abandon that plan. They've got to be coming up with other ideas and other ways of doing it. And here we are, what literally like a week and a bit away now from January. And we, we just, we, we have no plan at all. And it's just, it's insane. Um, Peter, this is a question for, for, for you. Um, I realized chatting to some people in the pub on Saturday before the game. So, um, you know, we've, we've got a certain amount of money that we have to raise. Am I right in thinking that January is our last chance to do that? Um, and we, we can't wait until the summer and then decide to sell players because the, the way that, you know, PNS accounts and everything work is is the law being calculated by then. So it's it's kind of is is it January or bust for us when it comes to PNS? Uh, thankfully, not. No, um, there is a provision in the in the uh, PNS rules that says you can sell players until the next season begin, and then you can, even though it's a new financial year, you can you can actually add on to uh, to the, the previous year's accounts with the, the transfer fees you receive. So if we were to sell players for fifty million pounds in the summer, in in July and and then August, we could add those um, those uh, transfer fees onto the accounts for for this financial year, the current financial year. And we could uh, then uh, come under the uh, PNS three-year limit of uh, thirty-nine million pounds loss. So that would be actually be, be be an option. The issue, the obvious issue, though, is um, and this only requires a very basic understanding of economics uh, that if you wait until the last moment to to sell something and having to raise money, the buyers will will, will obviously not offer you as much money for the for the assets they're buying. So if you if we were to to forego any activity in um, in um, in, in, in the January window, uh, and and banking on 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 uh, uh, doing doing our business in in uh, in July and, and August instead, we'd quite likely receive uh, less for our players, um, and we'd have to sell more players uh, in order to raise the money. 
And the other issue is um, there is some research done into, I think I mentioned this, this before on, on, on our podcast, uh, there's some research done into the, the, the prices that are paid in January windows uh, as opposed to, to summer windows. And the prices tend to be about 10, 15% higher in the January window, which makes sense uh, given that uh, clubs at that point Will some clubs will be in relegation danger? Other clubs will be pushing to, for promotion or or to win the win the championship or whatever. Um, so so they they're more desperate to to sign players. Whereas in the summer they're they there's, there's more calm about the club and and they're not during a during a season. So so if if we want to get the the max out of the players, everything points to being able to to having to to do business during the January window. Um, so uh, I'd strongly advise against waiting till the summer. Um, it'll be a bit like me <laughs> at university when I had to do assignments and doing them at, at the last moment. And uh, and the quality always uh, always is always affected by doing stuff at uh, and the last minute and the last night before. Oh, Pete, 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 I take you with that. My uh, my assignments were always done at the last minute, and and once in a while they were okay. Um, but yeah, they were a bit hit and miss along the way. So I, I think that's a fair analogy. But you know, the, the, there's another reason as well, which says get this done now, even if we have got the opportunity to to make trades in the summer. Which is, this team is not getting promoted this year. Hmm. You know, let's just be realistic about where we are in this season. You know, start the bloodletting now, start the squad turnover now, make progress as soon as possible in order to change around the infrastructure and the footballing side of this club, because then, you know, maybe we'll be in a healthier situation sooner. If you, if you hang on to this illusion that we can still get promoted this year and you, you hang on to all the best players, then not only will you potentially get a, you know, a markdown in their, in their value, but you're also one window further on from being able to actually start to affect the changes in the squad that you need to be able to get back to where you want to be. So, you know, there's just no rationale for waiting other than a misguided belief that we could still get promoted this season, which couples back to the, the argument that you want to spend your way out of it. And, and that's what we need to be concerned about, you know. Um, if the, you know, the rumours or at least the kind of the, um, the well-sourced positions are correct on the incoming manager, you know, he's not a manager who's renowned for working on a small budget. Um, you know, the only way that that manager can be given budget is if we sell players. So, so let's get on with the process. You know, we're in this position because we didn't sell in previous windows. So, so trying to steer through this window without letting go of any of the assets that we have is, is, is a fool's error. The the uh, herein is kind of you know the the real sort of worry for me is that, and I can't back this up with any sort of proof. This is just kind of the feeling that I get from uh, what was said on Wednesday and the kind of lack of action that's happened up until this point. I kind of get the feeling that uh, Chancery is still kind of looking for loopholes, is looking for ways in which he can you know pump some money in here and. Um, still kind of have another go at, at, at spending a load of money to get us to the Premier League. It just doesn't feel like there's any evidence that we're a club that's, you know, getting ready for a complete reshaping. And that means selling quite a few players. It means going about a different recruitment strategy. I don't think we've got any sort of recruitment strategy. Um, but, I mean, obviously, James, there, you touched on, um, you know, the very strong rumours about who's likely to be coming in as the as the new manager. So let's say that the rumours are true. Let's say that Steve Bruce is the guy that's going to come in. Let's say that the other rumour that's doing the rounds is true and that Steve Bruce is about to be given full control over incomings and outgoings in terms of players at Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, 
Peter, me and you talked about this a, a little bit before we uh, we actually started recording, so um, I'm sure you'll want to kind of bowl something in there as well. But but James, what what do you kind of feel when you sort of hear that? Is 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 that um, I, I don't know. Is that better? Is that worse? Is that um, helping solve any problems at all in your mind? Well, I mean, if, if if you're free of financial restrictions, then you know it allows a manager free reign. That's that's probably better to some extent than being um, you know subservient to the whims of of a bunch of nebulous advisors. Um, in my mind, it's not better than what I would prefer, which is in my mind an ideal solution, which is that we actually have a sporting director and we have a footballing philosophy and we we recruit players with a a role in terms of their contribution to the strategy, whether that be players to get us promoted or whether it be players to develop and sell on to profit or or young players that we're developing for the future. You know, I just want to know where the component parts fit. So so I'm fearful of that from from the way you described Bruce. You know, slightly more offhand. Uh, when we played uh, Villa down at Villa Park earlier in the season, I think they had Yellowknight playing left back or centre back. You know, so um, apparently giving him free control of transfers doesn't necessarily lead to having all the right people in the right places. And I think they had a bench of like twelve wingers. So, um, you know, we we may be in for a little bit of a bumpy ride as as the squad is reshapen. Um, but the, the the fundamental point is, how do you give a manager complete free reign when you're in a corner on profit and sustainability, when you have to make decisions that ultimately affect the financial sustainability and future of this football club um it, it it just doesn't seem completely aligned with a full realization of the situation unless there is a loophole out there that we are completely oblivious to that somehow mr transiri and a group of advisors that we're not aware of have have located that means that somehow we're going to uh, circumvent this entire process it, it that that seems like you know dream territory as opposed to uh, to cold hard reality but we'll see Okay, um, you touch on loopholes. Let's talk about, um, well, not necessarily loopholes, but let's talk about potential strategies. Let's talk about the kind of things that can happen from here on in. And obviously, something that we've talked about a lot, one of those options, I guess the one that I think probably all three of us see as being the best option and probably the only real option is selling players. Um, Peter, what are, are there any other options? What What other things... Do we have at our disposal as a club that can get us out of this situation? Now, some of this is stuff we've already covered before, but it's still things that we're being asked about on Twitter. So I think it's fair that we kind of address them. So um, uh, number one then. So um, what happens now is that DC sells the naming rights for Hillsborough, a, a sponsorship deal to... I don't know, himself or to Thai Union Foods for £25 million and all is well. We uh, rename Hillsborough the Thai Union Foods Stadium and we've got a load of money in the bank. Uh, any reason that we can't do that? Yeah, uh, PNS regulations state that all uh, sponsorship deals and commercial deals and so forth, um, all incoming income has to be at what they term as fair market value. Um, and that is they... they Look at what other clubs get for for similar deals, and and uh, then they see, uh, then they look at what the the, the money that comes in, and uh, if that money is above the, the the fair market value, that is what what we could get otherwise if if Chen Xiaoyu didn't um, didn't do the sponsorship himself, um, uh, then then that gets an, that gets annulled from uh, from our our income, uh, not in actual fact, but in in our accounts um, as uh, as far as the PNS uh, are concerned. 
So it wouldn't affect our, our ability because our issue isn't the, the issue that Villa had earlier this season was they couldn't get any actual cash into the club because capital, uh, was, was, um, capital from, from China couldn't move, move to the UK. But, but as far as we understand it, Chen Shui has plenty of capital and he can move that to the club. But we can't spend the money, uh, as James touched on, on earlier as well. Um, so it wouldn't, it wouldn't solve anything, uh, because the fair market value of naming rights of an existing stadium with, with the troubled history that Hillsborough does have are probably around two or three hundred thousand pounds, which is absolutely nothing. So it wouldn't accomplish anything. Um, I mean, it's, it's the, it's the wages of the, of the, of the players for, for a couple of days, <laughs> something like that. So it wouldn't make any sense to do that. Um, especially because we, we probably also see a, quite a few fans getting uh, upset about, um, the stadium being renamed and, and so on. So that's not an option, unfortunately. And if you look at like other loopholes, I mean, there are clubs that are trying to be creative, uh, with regards to this. I know Derby, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm neither, uh, a legal of a legal profession or on a county profession, uh, so I don't understand this in in its entirety. But but I've I've read about Derby's structure, and I, I think they have some something like other companies set up where they try to move some of the costs to and all that. But I think with the new uh, in during the old rules, the old FFP rules, you could probably do that. But with the new PNS rules, where you have to send in your accounts beforehand, um, provisional accounts beforehand, uh, which we did in March, which meant we went into a transfer embargo. Now that you have to do that, I think those sort of loopholes have also been uh, been unraveled and, and, you, and you can't do that anymore. Um, the only option, uh, the only options that are that, that are available to us now are if Chancery sells a club to um, some someone like uh, Red Bull, for instance, which has been rumoured uh, in, in the past few weeks, um, or the the Pozzo family who uh, who owns uh, Watford and Granada and uh, Udinese in, in Italy, that is uh, a group that owns more than one club. Um, Manchester City also own uh, a lot of clubs um, in New York and, and Melbourne and so on. Um, and what they've done with the uh, with UEFA's FFP rules is they've moved a lot of their staff costs, not the players, but scouting, uh, analytics. Um, Academy and all, all that they've, they've moved a lot of those costs to the to the other clubs in in the in the club network, so they've effectively reduced their cost base, which means they've reduced the the loss they're making. But that would require um, Chancery to buy another club uh, or buy other clubs in plural, um, and for him to to have the money to do that, and for him to have the um, because it, I mean it wouldn't it, it would it would take a while to do this uh, it wouldn't be something we could just uh, whip, whip up uh, over Christmas and then <laughs> then we have a lot of money to spend in a, in a, in a January transfer window um, and it will also require a lot more cash than he's invested so far and and by my estimates he's invested around a hundred million pounds already uh, and he's he's not even uh, he's not even uh, four years in into his, his reign um, and and I mean, I can't really see any other options than 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 uh, than, than a club network. Um, whether that is us setting up a club network with Chancery uh, heading the, the the different clubs in the club network, or whether that's Chancery as he threatened to do uh, on on the night of the fans forum, selling the club to maybe a club network, or consortium working with a, a club network, um, and then the network. Effectively, um, reduce our costs by, by free transferring players to us, uh, 
or transferring the costs of those uh, players or, or of, of the staff we have, uh, the off-pitch off staff we have, uh, to, to that cost base instead in, uh, let's say, uh, it's Red Bull to, to, to the club they have in, in, in Austria or, or to Leipzig in, in Germany. Um, so it, it, it's it's the only two options uh, as far as I see it, and and again, uh, I really hope that that Tinsiri is right, and he's he's a, he's a much bigger expert on this subject than, than any of the three of us are, and and he's he's spotted some loophole, but I'd actually prefer us not to be looking for loopholes. Um, I'd actually prefer us to be looking at building a club rather than just building a squad, which is a, a point I've, I've touched on before. Uh, and I think yeah, this I, is. I don't, I don't want to break one of your hypotheses before it's even managed to get off the ground, Peter. But the on on the second one in terms of the club network. I mean, if you if you look historically at Wednesday's accounts, you know, before we we invested in the playing staff in in 2015-16, we were you know, we were running a club that that the operations the operating costs led to us losing a couple of million a season. You know, so we were, we were by no means a lean organization we we weren't exactly healthy but we weren't um we weren't tanking losses on a on an annual basis in the order of 15 20 million as we are now almost that entire differential is driven by the playing staff and the problem with the the club network model is unless you could take those playing costs off the books which to the best of our knowledge you can't um, that that model becomes very problematic. It would certainly be advantageous for us in terms of access to a greater swathe of capabilities. You know, maybe a, a much uh, broader coaching network, scouting network, analytical network, as you said. But the ability for us to transfer costs is next to zero, uh, from my perspective. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it's difficult to see how that would have any short-term impact from a PNS point of view. Uh, clearly, from a strategic point of view, it would be it would be great for the club. Um, but again, we we don't see that clarity of thought emerging in terms of that being a stated direction that we need to plan for. It, it doesn't take away from the fact that we need to take costs off the playing staff in terms of the the wages that we pay and the you know the fees that we've accumulated. The other one that a lot of people are are going to be talking about, I think, over the next few weeks, is going to be the idea of just selling the stadium. So whether that is some kind of thing where Chancery kind of sells the stadium to himself or to a different kind of company that he sets up or genuinely selling it to someone and, 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 and leasing it back. Um, how, how does that work? Is that, is that something that could happen? I, I kind of looked up earlier about Bournemouth did it in 2005. They sold their stadium mm. for 3.5 million pounds and then leased it back. Yeah, there's not a huge amount of clubs that seem to have done it since. So I'm guessing there's there's probably something in that. If it's not something that clubs are doing all the time, then um, it, it can't solve magically solve an issue that a lot of clubs are facing. That's true. Yeah, um, I, th I think Bournemouth as well. They pay three hundred thousand um, a year to lease it, uh, and they've tried yeah, since they to, uh, to 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 buy it back as well because it's they they recognise it's a bad deal. Um, the issue here is that if you did that, um, then the uh, the income would be uh, wouldn't be at arm's length because Chancery would be selling the club, selling the stage. I'm sorry, um, if he's selling it to himself or to his family or to Taiyun Food or whatever, it's still not arm's length because he's he's uh, he's he's uh, affecting the, uh, the decision makers uh, at the company buying the uh, the stadium. Um, and the way I understand it, I asked some some of the uh, the clever people on Twitter. Uh, there's, uh, I mentioned these two before on the on the podcast. There's a guy called uh, Kieran Maguire, um, and there's, there's another guy with a with a, 
a Twitter account called Swiss Ramble, and, and they're both accountants, and, and they really understand this stuff. Um, and the way I understand, and again, I'm not an accountant, but the way I understand it, it's, if you do this sale and lease back, uh, it wouldn't actually improve the, uh, the, the, um, the, the amount of money you have in the club. It wouldn't register as an income. Um, I can't quite remember why technically, but, uh, he was quite, he was, uh, he was quite, um, uh, sure about how, how this worked, uh, when, when I asked him, uh, quite a few months ago. So, so, I mean, the way I understand it, we, we, we wouldn't stand to gain anything from doing that. Um, and even if we were, um, I mean, the, the, the value of, of the stadium wouldn't be the stadium. Uh, it would be the, how, the, the, Probability that the club falls and that the guy who buys bought, bought the stadium could could use the land that the stadium is on. The problem is this isn't London. This it's uh, on the outskirts of Sheffield and it's there's a big vacant uh, uh, Wednesday night car park a lot right next to the stadium, which tells you that it's, that's been laying bare for for what decades now. If if the area was was that interesting as a as a property investor, uh, you'd you'd have seen someone buying that lot and and building on it. But I mean that just tells you the, the the value of the land that the stadium sits on, um, and I mean also the flooding issues we had <laughs> in the past it isn't that great. Uh, and the stadium itself is, uh, I mean, I, I I would enter into a, a, a civil marriage with the with the stand if I could. I, I, I love the stadium a lot. It's really it's uh, it's it's perfect in every in every way for me, uh, even though it's 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 old and and has its warts and all that, but. As a football stadium, it's not very modern, and it, it's it's uh, it's not very um, uh, it's not prepared for the future uh, compared to a lot of other stadiums. So, it, if again, if this investor thought he'd he'd get a good deal, he'd have to invest a lot of money into the stadium as well. Um, so, uh, I, I, I sorry, I just can't see that happening. Uh, and even if it did happen, I couldn't see the uh, the money we we would make from it, which would probably be a, I don't know a figure I could think of would be something like 10 million pounds maybe and then we'd be paying let's say two three hundred thousand a season to to lease it um uh, even if we could register that as, a, as an income and, and it, it would improve our ffp situation it's 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 a one-off isn't it so it it means that we, we're just kicking the can down the road so next season we, we're back to having the same issue again because we, we're missing that revenue stream because that's a one-time one-time income um and in fact, we actually made uh, uh, our situation worse because now we have an extra expense that is leasing the stadium. So it could solve the problem for January and, and the end of the season, all going by the uh, if 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 uh, if the, the football finance guy I talked to was isn't right, and we could do this. Um, I mean, then 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 it could work this season, but then we have the same issue next season again because we'd have a loss that is way too much. You know, Peter, though, you, you, you're using the perfect words, right? It It isn't a revenue stream. So assuming that Mr. Chancery and the club want to continue to spend, that they see that, you know, the, the PNS situation is unfair and they, they want to be able to spend the money they have available to them, which is completely laudable and understandable, but not the reality of, of the circumstances in the EFL. The only way to offset that is to increase your revenue. Um, and revenue really comes down to two pools, right? You get your commercial revenue from ticket sales and from everything you sell, you sell commercially, kits, you know, uh, pencils in the club shop, etc. Um, people who come and uh, hire executive boxes, 
or it comes from selling your assets, your, your footballing assets, your players. Um, and we, we all know that there isn't, you know, a magic silver bullet in uh, in, in the commercial side, uh, despite opening the store in Meadowhall, et cetera. It's not going to suddenly show up an extra five million uh, quid in, in terms of sales on uh, just over Christmas. I can promise you that. So the only way in which you increase your revenue streams is if you are willing to trade your players, if you are willing to sell players at a profit for the price that you brought them and then to reinvest those funds in the club. Um, and that is the fundamental that we're we're not talking about here. Well, I mean, we're talking about it, but the club don't seem to be. Um, that, that they need to address income and not just complain about their the limitations on their ability to spend. Um, and and one off transactions to try and gain PNS certainly isn't the way to that you get out of that. You need a sustainable income plan, um, which would include uh, having a healthy turnover in the squad. I fully agree with um, everything you're saying here, guys. Um, I have got to raise this one. If so, you know, my dad, right? He uh, owns a house in Mearsbrook, which is a lovely part of um, Sheffield. The mortgage is paid off now. If he needed to raise some money tomorrow, he could go to the bank and talk to them about remortgaging that house. So. Uh, let's say that Sheffield Wednesday, we own the stadium that we play in. Can we go to a bank and say, right, we want to remortgage this stadium, give us £20 million uh, and stick that into our accounts and go out on a spending spree? Is that a thing? Uh, I mean, we, we could remortgage, but it would have absolutely zero impact on our P&L. So, you know, when when you remortgage, uh, you know, the bank is essentially giving you a loan, right, uh, to reinvest in property or, or otherwise. Um, in this case, if Wednesday were to remortgage Hillsborough, they would be given a loan that would go as debt on the balance sheet. Um, and it would appear in a cash flow statements, but it would not rec- be recognized as revenue because it isn't revenue. You haven't actually sold anything in order to gain it. Um, you've just received a, you know, a, a loan note from a bank, um, with a, with a different term expiry. Uh, and, and, and that would put Wednesday in a much more vulnerable position, frankly, because one of the advantages we have right now is that the, the debt that we do carry is payable to one individual, which is, Defon Chansiri and and it's currently noted as having zero interest, um, which means it's not it's not long term debt in the traditional way that football clubs are encumbered. Um, if we were to go to a bank uh, and ask for a remortgage on Hillsborough or any other form of of bank loan or or cash injection, then that would become interest bearing, and then we'd have to cover the costs of uh, of paying that interest as well. So, sorry, that's a very long way of, of of sort of putting a dampener on the on the Mearsbrook plan, James. But I like the fact that we're we're being creative. <laughs> Okay, um, I'm kind of out now of alternative suggestions. Um, is there anything I've I've missed here? Have we got anything else that we can explore um, that that's going to solve this problem other than doing it the hard way? I suppose there's, fairly, there's one other that the fan base have been meeting, which is that you know if Mister Chancery is true about his intent to sell up. Um, if we had a new owner come in, then you know, wouldn't that be great? Because they can invest all of their cash. Um, and I, I just want to kind of spend two seconds doing a bit of myth busting on that because you know that that's just a fundamental misreading of the situation. Um, you know, PNL uh, PNS is done on the the basis of Wednesday's PNL. That's a lot of acronyms, isn't it? Profit and sustainability is done on the basis of Wednesday Sheffield Wednesday Football Club PL. Uh, limited companies profit and loss account which means regardless of who the owner is it's it, it's measured on the amount of profit or loss that we make in a given year 
Um, so even if Mr. Chancery sold up and somebody else sunk a load of money and would still be sunk as a football club. So unfortunately, that isn't a magic bullet uh, either, but it is doing the rounds as, as a potential solution. Peter, have you got anything up your hat? I haven't, no. I think the uh, the club network idea is uh, probably the only viable, uh, I wouldn't say loophole, but only only if, um, out of the box thinking sort of plan that we could uh, we could realistically do um but again it, it would take it would take a lot of time to to do it right um and i'm not sure it's the sort of thing that chancery would be thinking about because it could also diminish his control because he'd, he'd likely have to um i mean he, he's struggling to run one football club so if he had a network of football clubs that he set up he had to run and he, he wanted to micromanage them all then then that would be an issue, wouldn't it? So I can't see him in him increasing the uh, the amount of work having to ha- the, the amount of work he has to do in doing football. Um, but that's I mean that's the only thing. The only I mean, uh, James is completely right about about the change of ownership. It doesn't change anything with regards to to PNS. But the change of ownership might be uh, a way of starting uh, exploring the the, uh, the 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 ways we could could join or be part of a, a club network. Um, and if you look at like the, the Premier League, some of the, the players that they have there, um, I mean, there's, 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 there's a lot of focus on it at the moment, the young players in the Premier League uh, going to, to Germany and and, uh, and and doing really well because they can't break into the Premier League teams, but they're, they're really high quality, the, the youngsters there. And we see uh, see the players that have been uh, loaned to um, to to the Championship this season in Mason Mound and, and, and Barnes at, at uh, West Bromwich as well. The quality they have. So, I mean, if if we wanted to do this right, we we'd also explore. Uh, I wouldn't say a link up or feeder club, but some sort of relationship with a Premier League club that is more longer term, where we guarantee the players they send to us on loan uh, a certain amount of playing time, but uh, we get some really good players, uh, high end championship players, um, uh, as as a as um, as, 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 as already uh, part of the uh, of the bargain. Um, so that's really the other, the only other thing we could do now. Um, but it's, it's, it's sort of related to the club network idea in some ways. Um, but I, I've, I've, it's, there's, there's no way around it. You just have to, uh, you have to do it right. Um, if we don't do it right, if we do find some loophole, it's more than likely it'll only kick the can down the road. So we, we, we'd, we'll be having this chat again in a year. Um, and the big worry for me is that the uh, the news of, of Steve Bruce, uh, all but confirmed news of Steve Bruce as our new manager, seems to suggest that Chancery has not understood um, the gravity of the situation, uh, or maybe he has understood it, but he's cho- choosing to ignore it and, and hoping it won't apply. But hope is, as they say, not a strategy. And Steve Bruce's uh, experience in, in managing a squad, he cannot change. Um, is uh, yeah, I think his his uh, his experience has been overvalued, and he's he's also not the guy. He just he doesn't strike me as as a guy who knows a lot about tactics and organization of a team. Uh, he's he's been mooted as a good man manager, but if he's he's not someone who can put structure on, in the team on the pitch, and we have no structure off the pitch because he'll just be a manager, and and we'll have no one to uh, to do all the other stuff uh, at the club. Um, I, I can't see how that that sh- tells you Chancery has realised that structure and organisation is something he needs to build at, at the club. 
that's that appointment of Bruce that indicates to me he doesn't understand the need to do that. Um, I, I realize that's on the pitch, but it's it reflects also on his his, uh, his viewpoint on, on how we are off the pitch, that he thinks we're fine as we are because he's he's doing his best, as he kept saying, and at the first fans forum, I'm doing my best, I'm doing my best. But to be perfectly blunt, I'm sorry, Mr. Chancery, but your best isn't good enough. Um, and the, the the thing you do when you're not good enough for something is you try to change it. And you, the first step of that is uh, accepting that you're not good enough and accepting you've made a mistake and trying to learn from those mistakes. And we, yeah, as we mentioned it before, a sports director has to be the minimum of, of, of what we do going forward. Someone who uh, won't be a, a network of advisors or a committee or whatever, but a guy who, who, who has contacts in football, who knows how to, to organize a football club, who knows how to get a, an academy working, who knows how to, to get everyone around a coaching staff working, um, and, and, and setting a direction for the club. Um, I mean, Norwich hired, uh, Stuart Webster, um, from, uh, from, from Fordersfield and, and, uh, there's a really good article recently, uh, about what he, he's done at Norwich. And Norwich were in, were in a similar situation to us in that they were, they were struggling with, uh, with finances and struggling with a, with a high wage cost of their squad. But I look at them now. I mean, it's taken them a few seasons, but they're, they've, they've, they've created an, an identity. They've created it, uh, uh, a trajectory for the club and, and, uh, and, 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 and they, re they realize how football works. You have to sell players. Um, and, and that's, that's, you, you can't just say, I want all the best toys and then, then uh, keep hold of the toys. You have to, to part with them, part with them uh, as a, as a part of, of running a football club. Can we double down just a little bit, Peter, on on, on that specific case? Because um, Stuart Webber at, at Norwich is kind of bit, probably a bit strong to say one of my footballing heroes, but certainly for for someone who's had an impact on two successive clubs and demonstrating their professionalism, their ability to change an entire organisation, I think he's he's pretty much up there, and he's he's a young guy as well. He's only in his mid thirties, so uh, so quite a lot to admire there. Um, but you see what they did with appointing Daniel Fark, which was a very considered appointment in the mould of the hiring of David Wagner at Huddersfield, which Weber was behind both of those. Compare and contrast that to the manager who left Sheffield. Um, there was a picture of him not looking too happy outside Cafe Rotatsu in Sheffield uh, City Station on uh, on Friday afternoon, Yosla Hukai. Now, I have no direct issue with his lineage and his history before coming to Sheffield, but it would appear that he was hired on the premise of get me one of those successful German managers, as opposed to let's be thoughtful about the type of manager that we want to bring in, in the type of academy situation and the type of infrastructure we want to build around the club and the way in which we're going to position the club for the next three to five years in terms of our likelihood, our ability to get promoted, which is exactly the considered approach that both Norwich and Huddersfield took. We just said, I want one of those, go get me one. And, and, and that doesn't work, right? You know, if you're not willing to put in the detail, if you're not willing to surround yourself by the, um, by the right level of, of support, um, then lo and behold, just getting a shiny new toy doesn't necessarily yield the results you want it to. Um, so I think it's, I think it's a really powerful analogy for, for how far we've missed the mark in the way we've made decisions over the past 12, 18 months. Yeah. And, and the other issue is, uh, people keep going on about with Steve Bruce is, uh, He's got a really good CV. Oh, he he won promotion. Was it four times or something? Lukai had a good CV, uh, and he'd won promotion three times, hasn't he? Hadn't he? Uh, and I think, and this is also reflective of our, our recruitment strategy. We're signing players who have a good CV, but I mean, look at Daniel Fark. Look at look at David Wagner. What were they before they were appointed? They didn't have a big CV. 
you don't hire people based on what they did. You hire people based on what you think they will do, what the potential they have. That comes down to the, both the manager, but also the players. You don't buy players that have been there and done that and, and then hope that they keep doing that uh, in, the, in the late 20s or early 30s. You buy players that you you will have some dots, yeah, but you buy players that you, you think over time will increase in value and be able to be sold on, and then you can reinvest that money. It's just, uh, and, and I mean, Bruce, as an appointment, again, uh, he, it speaks volumes about how Chen Siri thinks or doesn't think about football, in my mind, because, again, he's looking at a CV and he's, he's thinking, oh, he's, he's got a good CV. He used to be good, uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll hire him. But, I mean, look at what he left at Villa and look at what uh, uh, what happened at Hull as well. Uh, I mean, he, he's not the clock builder that we need. Um, and he's, he's yeah, I'm, I'm, if we appoint him, I'm, I'm quite sure we'll be, be having this dis- discussion uh, in, in, in a year's time and we'll be talking about a, a, a new manager. Um, it's just, I, I've, it's despairing to look at, to be honest. And, and I mean, I, I really, really hope I'm wrong. And I, I, that Bruce is, uh, is the answer and, and he turns the club around and he, he invigorates the squad by, by introducing the, some of the younger players and, and getting a playing philosophy going. But I've, I've seen no indication of, of him being able to do that at, at Aston Villa where he had a ton of money, uh, to spend on, on transfers. So it's, it, for me, it's, it's a big worry that, that, that is the route we're going down. I'd much rather be focused on, on getting, uh, sorry to keep saying this, but we focus on getting a good sporting director and that we, uh, and that, that we, we gave some time to the, uh, to the appointment of a manager because it's going to be quite crucial. Um, so, so just, just hiring, uh, someone who's, who's, uh, um, knows this league, uh, which is, is a coach speak for having been sacked a lot, uh, um, that doesn't wash it with me, and it, it's it's a worrying it's a worrying view into how this club operates, uh, and it's a worrying view into how how we haven't learned anything from from what we've been going through and the troubles we we are in at the moment. Yeah, I I certainly agree. I think you know we need the we need a three to five year strategy, um, and we need to find the right manager who fits into that strategy, and you know we're we. We don't even have a strategy for January, so let alone three to five years. It just um, Steve Steve Bruce to me just sort of seems a little bit like just throwing a bit more shit on a wall than seeing what happens. And um, you know, maybe it will stick. Maybe he'll do a really good job. But um, Peter, I fear your prediction there of the fact that you know in twelve months' time we're going to be start having similar sort of conversations about oh well, this one's not worked out. What's next? And a lot of people have kind of raised this point about how oh, we need a we need a British manager in we need you know this next we need that next um you know if 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 this going in this direction still doesn't work how long before we actually think well hang on you know the, the we're asking the wrong question here which means it doesn't matter what answer we come up with none none of it's going to work um but right chaps I think that's going to pretty much wrap us up then for um owls about stat episode number two uh we will be back in the next week or so with episode number three where we're going to look at things on the pitch so that'll be a lot more positive won't it so that's something for us to look forward to uh in uh in the next week or so um in the meantime james obviously you're back in the uk um me and you've got a, a cheeky little trip down to uh west brom in uh in the next week or so to look forward to which has just reminded me actually i picked up the tickets from the ticket office on saturday 
and I don't know where they are. So I'm going to have to go back through all my uh, rummies through my pockets from Saturday and figure out where those tickets are. But anyway, that's a different matter. Um, so, um, yeah, you're going to be catching a game or two while you're over. Yeah, absolutely. And um, gosh, I've just I've realised when we listen back to this, just how morose this hour is going to sound. I, I do want to reassure people, you know, I do have a modicum of Christmas cheer about me. I am pretty chuffed about the fact that tomorrow is Christmas Eve and, uh, you know, happy holidays to everybody. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be at West Brom next Saturday. Um, I think I'm hoping to get to the game on New Year's Day, which looks like might be the uh, the first game for our new manager, uh, whoever he is. Uh, old Mr. Potato. Sorry, I mean... Uh, Great, Brucey. Um, and uh, yeah, look, looking forward to spending a bit of time around Wednesday. And you know, the, the one thing I will say is when you put all the numbers to one side and you put all the financials, uh, you know, in, in their place the way we have done just now, nothing beats, you know, a positive Hillsborough. And um, if a change of manager and a few results going in the right direction over the Christmas period could maybe give us a little bit of uh, of that back, then, you know. We'll uh, we'll work on the sustainability issues in the background. So hopefully, I'll get to experience a bit of that alongside quite a lot of Christmas beers with uh, with yourself, James. Sounds like a plan. Sounds like a plan. Um, Peter, obviously, you're not over for Christmas. I guess you'll be spending most of it probably in bed, um, nursing your actual real life pneumonia. Um, I hope you feel a little bit better. Um, I found this quite interesting, Peter. You were telling me that. Christmas in Denmark works slightly differently that you do presents on Christmas Eve. Yeah, we do. It's tomorrow night. It's a big thing. Uh, so to, to avoid the uh, the kids having an absolute meltdown about opening presents way past their, their bedtime and, and being even more annoying than they are usually, uh, we'll probably be uh, be phasing in the, the presents during the day as well. Um, so, yeah, but... Um, I've been put on penicillin, so um, I'm hopeful that uh, that'll take care of it. Uh, the last time I had pneumonia was in February when I was over for, for a few games. Uh, um, so, so yeah, it's it's apparently a thing with me and uh, and and respiratory diseases. So, uh, so hopefully, uh, talking about Wednesday in this uh, very uh, happy, cheery uh, <laughs> hour we had here will will also uh, uh, help my recovery. But um, it's been a pleasure talking to you guys. Absolutely. Don't forget, you can get in touch with us via our Twitter account at Owls About Stat. Um, as ever, it would be really interesting to uh, get your feedback, your comments, your views on what we've talked about in um, proceedings on episode two of Owls About Stat. Uh, we will be back with episode number three, as I say, in the next week or so, where we will be tackling some of the questions that have been put to us on social media over the course of the last month or so. Still time for you to drop us a tweet if there's something that you want us to have a look at, at Owls About Stat. And uh, we'll speak to you in the next week or so. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. You've got all your mates round. You've got your McNugget chair boxes coming down the left wing ready to go. 
Your mate's already been booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points, back of the net, Lubosh. Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com for more information. See you later. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.